Welcome back to another episode of the Sounder at Heart podcast. I am Jeremiah O'Shan. I'm Mark Kastner. This is the Sounder at Heart podcast. Joined by my co-host, Mickey Turner. This is the other voice that you hear. Tim Foss. Of course, Ari Lillian Wall. This has been an extremely weird podcast. Getting dragged all day. So the bottom line is they, they don't have an answer to that. There's a reason they got signed to first team contracts. And if you're not going to give them respect for that, then have fun losing again next Very year. special guest, Brian Spencer, head coach of the Seattle Sounders. You know who he is. Brian how are you doing? I'd start off, Jeremiah, by saying one thing, and this isn't my quote. I have to attribute this to Tom Dutra. He always says, tough times don't last, tough people do. Welcome back to another episode of the Sounder at Heart podcast. I am Jeremiah Shan. Joining me today is Tim Foss and Mickey Turner. Say hi, guys. Hey. How's it going? So the Sounders are coming off a very impressive, uh, maybe not quite as thorough as the scoreline suggested, but I think a thorough win over the LA Galaxy, 3-0. The Sounders are now 2-0-1. They're sitting atop the Supporter Shield with seven points. They're plus eight. Uh, is that right? Plus eight? No, plus seven. Uh, goal difference. Uh, they're second in the league in XGD, which is expected goal difference. All things considered, this is about as good of a start as you could have hoped. Uh, let's just start there. What were your, your impressions of not just this game, but kind of where the Sounders are sitting at this point in the season? It's definitely better than I personally would have expected. Uh, probably better than most would have expected. Uh, I do feel somewhat vindicated in the couple of posts that I wrote about how this formation might fit the current roster. Um, It might not be playing exactly the way that I expected, but I think by and large, the strengths that I thought were going to be there have matched up pretty well. It seems to really be making good use of all of the talent available. And in a number of cases, elevating that talent beyond what we'd really seen before i think you know knew who had another really great game as a center back uh the wing backs were real tough for the galaxy to handle and have been for minnesota and lafc to handle especially in the attack um probably no one more so than brad smith this past week um it's it's been really fun. I think Brian Schmetzer deserves a lot of credit for the work that he's done getting to this position so early. Yeah, it's been a very, I wouldn't say surprise, but it's a pleasant start to the season. Um, I think for me, the question was about the depth that the Sounders were going to have, not so much about the, uh, you know, the formation because they still even with the change of formation have a very solid spine and that's going to get you a decent amount of the way towards the playoffs, having that uh, kind of base to establish and work, um, work outwards from, but I think, you know, where they were going to, how they were going to look outwardly um, meaning on the wings and outside was where I think a lot of the question was um, whether Alex Roldan could, uh, you know, 
improve upon what was a solid, you know, quote unquote rookie season at a new position, um, what they were going to do with new who, how he was going to uh, acclimate to his new position. And then obviously what uh, they were going to do with Brad Smith um, or that, or that kind of wing back position. And, you know, even with Brad Smith's, uh, you know, struggles early in the first couple of games, um, they still looked pretty good overall. And you have to, for me, I think the fact that they've been able to integrate uh, Josh Atencio and not miss a beat while, while Ladera was out. Um, and then now we have Kellen Rowe, who did a very good job in his, uh, in his uh, starting, uh, starting role uh, this past weekend. So now we've kind of answered some of the questions about the depth of the team and with what they had coming into the season, even without Jordan Morris, uh, you really have to now like how they position themselves to get through this kind of early gauntlet in May with a bunch of games, you know, um, some midweek games, and then you've got games on short rest. And then, you know, importantly, you've got games against uh, what we believe are talented teams, even though Minnesota hasn't, has obviously gotten off to a very poor start. Um, they got a result on the road against LAFC and uh, now they've got LAFC coming up again and then Portland obviously on the road. So I think if you uh, can see where you can see how they're going to uh, look or how they're going to perform coming into, uh, you know, this, this stretch of the season now. Um, and if they can get to June um, and the international break and continue where they are, maybe not on this, uh, you know, seven points out of nine pace, but, you know, winning their home games and getting a result here on the road, then yeah, you, I think you have to say that you're looking at uh, one of the top, uh, the front runners for the supporter shield. Um, and while I think some of us, you know, may have thought that that was something that they could potentially uh, do this year because they did not have the congestion of champions league. And we see how that's affecting some MLS teams. Now uh, you still were wondering where that, what they were going to look like uh, with, uh, with the new formation and, and some of the questions that they had coming in. And yeah, I think it's been a very promising start to the season, uh, especially given how they've looked implementing this new formation. So you mentioned Kellen Rose performance. And I think, you know, that's probably the one that's a good place to start. He was, the biggest addition to the to the lineup, although uh, we can talk about Yamar Gomez and Andrade as well. Uh, but Kellen Rowe was coming into a spot that we had never seen him play before. I guess he's he's I'm told that he's played some in the central midfield. I don't know that he was ever quite this much of a defensive midfielder before. But he, uh, you know, I went through his numbers and he set career highs and pressures. He had 42 pressures in the game. Uh, he set a career high with six tackles. Uh, now, granted, these records only go back to 2018 or so, but hard for me to imagine that he was exceeding those numbers before that since he was uh, – that was around the same time that he he started moving positions a bit. So uh, a real revelation, I thought, for him, but it wasn't just that he was solid defensively. He was dangerous going forward, too. You know, he ended up – I think he had three shots in the game. All of them were, were pretty dangerous looks. Uh, in some ways, the least dangerous of those looks was also the closest he came to scoring – where he had this wonderful looping header that beat the goalkeeper, hit the crossbar, hits the post, and somehow stays out. But I just thought that Kellen Rowe had a really spectacular game, and I don't know that he is going to suddenly be in the starting rotation, but it does illustrate how deep the Sounders are in the middle of the park. It was definitely interesting watching 
the game and then going back and rewatching and looking at some of the numbers and to your point, we didn't really know what to make of Rowe as a central midfielder and particularly like a defensive center midfielder. Um, it's so valuable, it seems, with the depth, particularly in that part of the field, that pretty much any of the guys that they can play with, maybe the exception of Jordy Delem, can play any of those midfield three spots and with Christian, Joao Paulo and Kellen all on the field together, they, they sort of took turns filling different roles within that um, rotation of those three players where there were times where Kellen was the deepest of the three of them. There were times where, you know, he was making late runs and getting into the attack uh, he sort of shadowed Victor Vasquez for a period of the game. He notably led all players in the game in pressures and I think had more successful pressures than anyone on the Sounders at least. Uh, but that could be me misremembering. But he just was so, I think, heavily involved and effective in his involvement for the most part that he yeah, it was a pleasant surprise, I would say. Uh, yeah, but what do you I think we can all remember uh, going back to the start of the preseason, uh, which I guess wasn't that long ago, um, and they were talking about him uh, being in uh, challenging Alex for the right wing back position or primarily kind of playing there. And now that seems like a complete waste of his abilities, given what he did in the center of the, of the pitch. Um, I saw, you know, I went back obviously and watched the game too. And I was also surprised, uh, you know, he got stuck into challenges. He won his challenges, won some duels. Um, and, you know, I don't, I don't know that any of us expected that was really part of his game from that, at least from that position. Um, and so just seeing him be able to go forward, be dangerous on goal, which is kind of, that's more what I expected uh, from him. But even so, I think, you know, he was able to kind of turn with the ball and look forward as well. So, just an all around great performance. And again, having someone like that, uh, even though it doesn't look like they're going to lose Ladero for any international duty, uh, at least right now, uh, but having someone who can play, as, you, as Sam said, kind of that midfield three positions uh, is just going to be invaluable going in, uh, going down the stretch of the season uh, when, you know, injuries inevitably happen, you've got someone who can kind of play all across that uh, band. Um, and, you know, I suppose my right wing back if they need to as well. Well, or we've it, Go ahead. Uh, we've seen him pop up at left wing back too briefly. Um, I think he he may not necessarily be challenging for a starting spot anywhere, but he very much seems like the kind of guy that Schmetzer just loves to have, that he can put him almost anywhere on the field and he is going to do exactly what he's been told. And he has the, you know, the ability and the intelligence to make it work wherever he's at it, it's it's pretty remarkable he has shown himself to be very versatile in the short amount of time that he's been with the sounders he's played uh as a deep lying midfielder he's played as a more attacking midfielder he like you noted he's played as a left wing back uh you know it'll be interesting uh alex Roldan. i think part of the reason that we thought he was going to end up on the right side 
uh, the Sounders had mentioned that that was a possibility that he was going to maybe push Alex for minutes on as a, as a right back. But I think the other thinking was that, you know, Alex hadn't really nailed down that position. And now it's hard to imagine Alex rolled on not starting at right wing back. He has been so good at that spot. Uh, and maybe he's been so good that he's going to get called up by Guatemala or, uh, you know, something like that where he's, all of a sudden gone for international duty, Alex Roldan that is, and, and maybe uh, Kellen will need to deputize as a right wing back for reasons that we didn't really foresee at the time. But um, it's it's been really interesting the way that the players have really found their roles in this in this formation. Uh, you know, I, I bring up Alex Roldan, who I thought was very good as a, as a right back last year, but his skill set seems almost perfectly suited for right wing back where he's able to use his motor to get up and down the field. He's not necessarily a lockdown defender, but he doesn't need to be a lockdown defender in this formation. Um, He's not necessarily a great, uh, he's not necessarily a goal threat, but he hasn't needed to be. He's, he's putting in a lot of dangerous crosses and he's combining well on the sideline with, with his teammates. Uh, I, I don't think any of us saw the degree to which Alex would be looking this good as a right wing back. Yeah, it's been pretty amazing to kind of watch uh, his progression from a guy who was cut uh, at the beginning of last year and had to come in and trial uh, with the team. Um, and then, you know, taking to go getting a start in MLS Cup um, as a right back last year. Uh, and, and then obviously, as you say, I think he's basically the presumed starter at that right wing back position. Now um, I, I, you know, whether or not they have anybody really who to supplant him at this point anyway, is, is maybe another debate, but just based on his performance, uh, he wouldn't be out of the starting lineup anyway. And yeah, I think, you know, he's, as you say, he's not you know, particularly goal dangerous, but I, you know, I think he's going to get a couple of goals this year. Um, I just think that uh, it, where he's playing and how he's playing just allows him to kind of get forward and get into those dangerous spots. And so I expect he's, he's going to be able to get on the score sheet. Um, and yeah, he's not necessarily a lockdown defender, but he's, as you say, he's got the protection of the three center backs behind him allowing him to kind of get forward. Um, and, you know, as long as he doesn't just completely abdicate his, his defensive duties, um, just get completely caught up the field, uh, he is serviceable uh, enough on the defensive side uh, that he's going to be able to to uh, stay on the field and contribute. So, yeah, it's been great to watch that, that progression, which, you know, again, I think we've written a fair amount about how he's, he's kind of improved and how he's kind of evolved. But it's still it's still amazing to watch this guy um, who was trialing at the beginning of last year just come into what is now a a a good right wing back in MLS and you know arguably could turn into a very good one um, by the end of the year. It's funny I had had a number of conversations sort of about Alex prior to like the resumption of play last year and have actually had similar conversations about current UW Husky Dylan Tevez who they both the roles that they play or played in college were not really things that were going to be an option for them at the pro level that they are at the at the college level they were sort of 
central midfielders maybe could play on the wing and they did some creating and they did some defense and helped with possession, but they weren't really super strong in any of those. They got a good amount of goals and assists just because they were either like in Dylan Tevez's case, taking the bulk of their team's penalties or taking set pieces and at the pro level, really you either needed to, to be in one of those positions. You need to be able to create more on your own or find space either with speed or dribbling ability or be more goal dangerous or be a better defender. And sort of like, well, I just don't know where they fit on the field for the Sounders in particular with Alex, I was sort of bemoaning that maybe if he had been able to spend the first season or two seasons of his pro career with Tacoma Defiance and sort of mold his game to the pro level a little bit more, he would have been better off. But then you put him in this position where it's sort of like, okay, this lines up perfectly with all of these traits where like he's a decent defender, but he's not like a lockdown 1v1 guy, but he doesn't need to be because he has support behind him of three center backs and a number of competent and capable midfielders around him. And he, you know, maybe isn't going to burn guys with speed, but he's got enough energy and quickness to get into spaces when they're available. And just from that particular spot on the field, he's going to be able to hit these amazing early crosses or, you know, get towards the end line and play an interchange with someone that like, it just is such a perfect fit for him skill wise. It's, I don't know. Again, it's just really cool to see what I, I do think is an underrated part of Brian Schmetzer's skill set of like seeing a player's strengths and being able to put them in the best place to make use of those and really have that player and his team succeed. Um, yeah, it's, it's been fun to watch for sure. Yeah. I was just about to say that, uh, uh, just briefly that, yes, Metzer, we probably deserves a bit more credit than uh, many are giving for putting the players in the position to best have them succeed based on what skill set they provide and not trying to, uh, you know, uh, square pegs and round hole them. Um, and it's, yeah, it, it, Alex Roldan is definitely exhibit A, knew who was probably exhibit 1A um, as players that he's kind of moved um, around just a little bit and really gotten the best out of them. Oh, I would, I would totally agree with that. And then ironically, a lot of fans are asking like, well, when's Brian Schmetzer going to get any run for coach of the year? And frankly, this is the kind of thing it takes where no one necessarily expected him to pull this off. And if he does pull it off, all of a sudden, Brian Schmetzer does get mentioned as coach of the year. And so you, you got, it's like a weird award, right? It's like the favorite to win it is almost inherently not going to win it because if you're the favorite to win it, it means that you are doing what everyone, like the award seems to always go to which team over uh, overachieved the most. And I think you can make an argument that the sound sounders are over exceeding expectations, probably more than anyone else right now. Uh, they, they do seem to have really adapted to this new system of play and it is a new system of play. It's not just a new formation. Uh, you know, they're pressing more, uh, they are using their central midfielders in different ways. 
Uh, one of the things I think that's been really interesting that we especially saw against the Galaxy is even though they're still calling this a uh, a three five two or a, or some people are calling it a three four one two, in a lot of ways, on uh, at least on on Sunday, it played more like a three four two one where you had Will Bruin dropping so deep into the midfield, and he really hasn't been doing a lot of the like he does still do forward things like he's holding the ball up and he's uh, you know, he's, he's using his body and, and those types of things, but he's doing it pretty deep. Uh, I thought maybe the best illustration of that was the second goal where Rui Diaz and, and Bruin are up near the midfield stripe with getting the play started with their interchange. And then the two players that are in the box are Brad Smith and Alex rolled on. Uh, while Al, while Rui Diaz and, and Bruin are, are trailing the play a bit, um, it's pretty, you know, I think what's what's remarkable about this formation is how dynamic it is. Like, as we've mentioned, how well it's utilizing the particular talents of the players. You know, Will Bruin isn't necessarily a guy who's going to be getting in behind teams. So why, are, why, like, let's not ask him to do that. Let's ask him to be a little bit more of a distributor, a guy who's facilitating uh, the players running off of him. And he's able to use his body, but he doesn't necessarily, and he's drawing center backs, but he doesn't necessarily have to be hanging out in front of the goal uh, looking for headers. Yeah, I think we've seen sort of bits and pieces of this or seen it in flashes from Will Bruin where maybe it's, you know, one moment in a game where he comes on late and he's on the field with Raul Rui Diaz and he, like has a quick interchange between Nico and Raul where he does sort of like a, a pirouette back heel to play <laughs> someone in. And it's like, Oh, I guess Will Bruin has that in his locker also. So it's, it's nice to see that made more sort of a, an intentional part of not just his game, but the Sounders game plan. And it does seem like another example of, okay, well, we've got this guy who can do all of these things. What if we just like used him to A, pull center backs and B, like what if instead of having to do all of that forward stuff against a center back, he does that against like a slightly smaller center midfielder where he's more likely to succeed holding the ball up off of that guy and then he can play in brad smith into the space behind a fullback or um i think it yeah more credit to brian schmetzer i think the adaptability of this formation and the style of play within that is really interesting i think for a lot of the players the approach to sunday's game was totally different than how they've been asked to play in either of the games prior like the three center backs played in a completely different than the three center backs had played against LAFC or Minnesota. And part of that is not having Ariaga on the field that he just plays so differently from anyone else and not having those particular strengths. You obviously have to change the way that that group plays, but they also played in a way that, totally erased Chicharito from the game effectively. Yeah. 
I think part of that was also that uh, against Minnesota and LAFC, those teams did not have forwards of, of any uh, distinguishing uh, distinguishment. Uh, whereas obviously LA uh, Galaxy had someone who had scored five goals in two games. Uh, so maybe that changed a little bit about how they wanted to play. Uh, but yeah, regardless, stay well and, and were able to shut them, uh, shut LAF or LA out. Um, and so again, that, that's another uh, kind of mark on the board for Smetzer uh, being able to kind of see uh, what is the best way to use the players against the opponent that uh, that's in front of them. And, you know, I'd be interested to see how this kind of works out going down on the rest because you would expect that they're going to make these kind of changes uh, and be able to adapt uh, to the team that's in front of them. So, uh, the, the other player in that, in that center back formation was Jamar Gomez Andrade. This was his first start of the year. The, you know, um, Spencer had been alluding to the possibility of, of him getting more minutes this week. He, he came in and he was everything I think that we would have hoped that he would be. He was deployed on the right side as opposed to O'Neal, who was playing in the middle. I don't know if, if that's indicative of how the Sounders see him going forward or, or what we should read into that. But he was very good. You know, I, I thought he did everything you could have asked in terms of reading the, the plays. He was his anticipation just does seem to be on another level. You know, he doesn't necessarily he's not necessarily a great distributor, but he was very clean with his passing in this one. Uh, I think he led all the center backs in number of passes. I think he may have also led in completion percentage. Now, he's not necessarily the most aggressive passer. Uh, he, he's not breaking lines the way that Javier Arriaga is. But I thought he was very good. I think he, he probably showed well enough that I wouldn't be at all surprised to see him start against, uh, against Portland. So I, it, it's, it's a good problem for the Sounders to have. They have four center backs that are all playing pretty well. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure what uh, people expect him to do necessarily about this. I mean, this good problem, as you say, uh, someone is going to sit um, out of Ariaga O'Neill and uh, and uh, Yaimar because uh, I don't think knew who's going anywhere. No, uh, knew who is suddenly the the top center back on the team. <laughs> yeah. So so th- there's going to be a lot of games. Obviously, rotation is going to be a thing, and so yeah, you, I think. For those of us, um, and I, I don't necessarily include myself in this category, that yeah, expected Yaimar to start, uh, you know, thirty plus games, um, it's just going to probably be one of those things where this allows uh, Schmetzer to keep uh, a rotation going, keep them all fresh, um, and have them all healthy and available, uh, uh, especially as we get into the end of the season and assuming the Sounders are where we think they're going to be, uh, ready for the playoffs. And I think people are just going to have to probably get used to that uh, uh, for the time being until someone completely falls out of form um, or there's an injury or, or something along those lines, you're going to see rotation. I think. One of the interesting things I think that comes with, you know, that group of four center backs who all are playing at a level where I think they can reasonably be starters. And each one of those players offers a, significant variety of skills and abilities coupled with the collection of central midfielders who all seem to be playing at a level where you'd be pretty comfortable with any of, you know, like five or six guys starting in any of those three center mid spots who also all, you know, can 
fill similar roles but offer different things from those spots is depending on how you shuffle that deck you can take different approaches where in this game the you know the center backs were asked to do a lot less of the passing although Nuhu continues to just hit dimes of diagonal balls that perfectly find Alex rolled on um but that like in this game Shane O'Neill again played in the center of the three which usually is like that's the guy you want to be your distributor he had under 20 passes all night his chief role was making sure that Chicharito didn't embarrass anybody and frankly he did a great job of it he just was Chicharito's shadow and then Nuhu and Jamar alongside him basically played as like the nominal center backs while he was the little peace sweeper. And, you know, you bring in Ariaga and you can have him be the distributor and Jamar and Nuhu can just blow dudes up alongside him. Like you can, there's a lot of different stuff that you can do um, that yeah, I think it's really going to change from opponent to opponent and what you have to worry about or limit from those different opponents that's going to determine which guys we see together. Yeah, it's it's a fun thing to watch. Uh, it's just, you know, they, they have this this mix of players that have a mix of talent. Uh, you know, I, I'm really excited to, to see a, a formation that maybe doesn't have two strikers because I think it could look really interesting uh, where where – Bruin is replaced by someone who's actually a midfielder. Like it wouldn't totally shock me if Ladero replaces Bruin this week. And that's not a slight on Bruin. I think Bruin in a lot of ways is having one of his best years as a sounder. He's, I think he has two assists. Uh, he doesn't have a shot, which is kind of amazing to me, uh, but he's, he's been very good. He's been an important part of what they're doing. And I, and I think it allows Schmetzer to kind of mix and match and, and create lineups that, match up particularly well with opponents and create uh, different advantages for the Sounders. And so it's not necessarily reacting to what your opponent's doing. It's more kind of like dictating what you want to be able to do, uh, which I think is, is super exciting and, and a lot of fun. Um, I don't know if either of you guys have thoughts on, on this Timbers game, but uh, it's for once, I feel like the Sounders have been, going to Portland or facing Portland on short rest a lot over the last few years. And for once the Sounders are actually going to get a shot at Portland where uh, Portland's going to be coming off a midweek game. Yeah. uh, I think it's going to be an interesting game. Um, I doubt it's going to be a full strength Portland team. Had they gotten blown out uh, by club uh, club America, maybe they would have rotated um, uh, their squad and just basically punted on that game. I don't think you can do that now given that it's a tie, a tie uh, match uh, going into their game tomorrow. Uh, so expect to see some rotation. Uh, you know, I think the Sounders, I think, match up pretty well against whatever version of Portland they see on Sunday. Um, and I think that they've had success going down to Portland. I think we wrote a lot about last year how the road team was having quite a bit of uh, success in recent league. Um, and so the Sounders certainly can go down there and get a result. And I think, I think they're, they're primed to do that uh, because, you know, I think they're a better team than Portland uh, number one. Um, and then there's the rotation issue number two. And I think, you know, it just allows Smetzer to kind of 
see what see what Portland does during the middle of the week. Um, as you say, the Sounders are finally getting a crack at them where they we've got a full week of rest. Uh, so Spencer will be able to kind of prepare and see what he thinks uh, the Portland lineup is going to look like um, and be able to adapt accordingly. And yeah, as far as the lineup, I'm not sure what we'll see necessarily out of out of out of the Sounders. But I think, again, they're in a position to go down there and get a result uh, because uh, they're again, they're the better team, I think, right now. Yeah, I really don't. I don't know that I have any sort of prediction about lineups, but Portland looked bad in their game against Dallas. They just got lit up and were having a bad time of it. Um, so I don't know. It's a, it's a game against Portland. Anything can happen always. I feel like there have been plenty examples of going into games where Portland was going to play sort of a shuffled lineup for whatever reason. And Dyron Espria has a brace or some nonsense because <laughs> he only scores in the playoffs CONCACAF or against the Sounders and um, yeah, I think, I think the Sounders are pretty well set up to be able to handle whatever Portland can throw at them. I guess the one concern is that Portland might, if they're playing a rotated lineup, sit back a little bit more, which the Sounders just haven't really had to deal with. Um, but I think, you know, they probably have the players capable of breaking down a defense and you know if they can continue to like play with brad smith the way that he did this weekend where he's getting to the end line and playing balls into the penalty area even if it's a crowded penalty area i think you could count on raul Rui diaz to find the ball at least once and We've seen the Sounders score on own goals from doing that before against Portland. So who knows? I feel pretty good about it at this point. It seems silly to bet against the Sounders based on how things have been going. Yeah. The one thing I would say uh, just briefly is that, you know, uh, Portland does have their talented team, especially on the counter. Um, And as as Tim said, if they're going to sit back and bunker, that's the one thing, uh, Another thing that the Sounders really haven't had to face this year is a pure counterattacking uh, uh, team. And so, you know, certainly if they get sucked up the field, uh, you know, get, getting a lot of possession, uh, they certainly, uh, that's certainly something to be watch out for um, on the counterattack. And, you know, I wouldn't put it past Portland to put 10 behind, uh, behind the, uh, the field and, and just try to spring a couple of counterattacks and, you know, try to uh, eke out a one nothing win. Yeah, they, they put out a really rotated line. I'm looking at their lineup right now. Uh, they had Blake Bodley, of all people, out at right attacking mid. So uh, that, that kind of tells you a lot about what the state of the lineup was. But I, I don't I don't know that I, – I, I had heard that they rotated. They had five starters that started against Club America. I'm actually surprised that five of the players in this starting lineup also started against Club America. But I don't know if they'll, they'll rotate that happily. But – I, I'm sure they will. I, I don't expect the Sounders are going to be facing anything like an A lineup. Uh, I guess it's notable that they don't have another game. They have a whole week off after the Sounders, so it's not like they need to hold anyone uh, for for another Champions League game. But it's it'll be interesting. Uh, I, I'm I'm definitely uh, feeling like this is a good matchup for the Sounders. 
of course, like you said, this is also when uh, MLS rears its ugly head and says, oh, don't get too ahead of yourself here. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, that, I think that's, that's probably a good place to call this. Uh, thanks for, for uh, listening. Uh, I am Jeremiah Shan. Signing off on behalf of Tim Foss and Mickey Turner, this is the Sunrise Hearts podcast, and we will catch you next time.